tribes. In this episode, in the podcast series Keep Calm and Defibrillate, we discuss our natural tendency to form bonds with groups. How do we make these attachments positive rather than negative? Stay tuned to find out. Psychologists call our preference for those who are familiar to us as an in-group bias. For thousands of years, humans lived primarily in tribes in small communities. Our survival depended upon aligning ourselves with our in-groups, people that looked like us, spoke the same language, ate the same foods, worshipped the same god, and much more. Even today, in a connected, digital world, we humans still act tribally, sometimes unconsciously, but other times with great pride. If you're a fan of professional sports, you know this very well. The in-group legacy becomes a problem when it limits our capacity to experience empathy for people who don't match up with any of our shared characteristics, the so-called outgroups. You may not even realize you have outgrouped whole segments of society, but all of us do. Homeless people, for example, generally fall into the outgroup category for most of us, so much so that for some people they cease to be considered human beings. Some people automatically consider any group of a different color an outgroup. Others automatically outgroup other nationalities, political affiliations, gender, lifestyle, and religion. And the list goes on. So, Dave, I see that it's a natural tendency to associate ourselves with particular groups, and this group represents our tribes. Obviously, we might choose to belong to a number of tribes. Uh, We might have our church group, our group of school chums. Maybe we belong to a fraternity or sorority in college. I'm a proud member of Gamma Delta Iota's, the GDI's, or gosh darn independence. Uh, In other words, I was not a fraternity member. Uh, So anyway, we choose or are chosen to be included in some tribe and maybe in several different tribes, depending on how difficult it was or or exclusive the tribe may be, uh, we value that tribe differently. Because of the work involved in becoming an emergency physician, I value my membership in the American College of Emergency Physicians considerably higher than my membership in Sam's Club, which only involves a yearly fee. Well, this heightened sense of worth of a tribe, if there was some difficulty or pain involved in the admission, explains initiation rites and ceremonies of joining that tribe. If you went through basic training in the military with its deprivations, its considerable exertion and humiliations, you're much more likely to value your membership in that branch of the military than if basic training was just a few evenings of instruction in adult classes at a local community college. Uh, So too, we like to think that our tribe is good except for antisocial and illegal tribes, such as street gangs or criminal organizations, most of us want our tribe to be right-minded, honorable, and respectable. Well, face it, most of us would prefer that the sorting hat chooses us to be in Gryffindor and not in Slytherin. I thought you were Slytherin, but okay. Uh, Jonathan Haidt, in the happiness hypothesis, argues that from an evolutionary perspective, morality is a problem. If, elev- if evolution was about survival of the fittest, then why on earth would people help each other out so much? 
Why do they give to charity, risk their lives to save strangers, and volunteer to fight in wars? Darwin's thought was that it was a simple answer. Altruism evolves for the good of the tribe you're in. He said, there can be no doubt that a tribe, including many members who, from possessing in high degree the spirit of patriotism, fidelity, obedience, courage, and sympathy, were always ready to aid one another and to sacrifice themselves for the common good would be victorious over most other tribes. And this would be natural selection. We are individually a weak species. Would you stand a chance if you got into a fight with a Bengal tiger or a grizzly bear? But our tribes made us the most dominant species on the planet by far. Previously, back in the days before the internet, people often joined organizations which catered to their individual proclivities. They had book clubs, knitting circles, prayer groups, and the like, or some groups which had an aura of ability to increase their social status, such as the Lions Club, Elks, Masonic Lodges, Knights of Columbus, a myriad other group of fraternal organizations. These clubs enhanced a tribe bonding among members, and it filled many hours of their leisure time. But with the advent of television in the 1950s, fraternal organization membership declined sharply as people developed other ways to fill their evenings. After the internet and the beginning of social media, particularly Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and similar platforms, people have tended to gravitate toward virtual tribes, groups which find each other to share some common theme. There are groups catering to political leanings, to shared interests such as gaming, fan groups, music tastes, or any arcane or particular interest. Uh, If you happen to like juggling while riding a unicycle, there's probably a virtual group you can join. Given a 38-hour work week and eight hours of sleep, we will spend about 35% of our waking hours at work. That's a high percentage of our life. If we're lucky... That'd be a good thing if we feel part of a work tribe at a high-functioning, meaningful level. If we're lucky, we are part uh, of of that at work, and we could have it emblazoned on a T-shirt, like somebody that would have their Steelers T-shirt, or if you're a misguided person, your Baltimore Ravens T-shirt. Okay, okay, so, so that statement plays to the darker side of our team good, your team bad mentality, that while entertaining and fun has the potential for breeding a neg- uh, negative emotions, which don't lead to a more inclusive and a more productive society. As you wrote in your show notes, Rex, we can focus on the negative circle the wagons mentality of our team, department, business, against other teams, departments, and businesses. I know that, unfortunately, I've played that game at times myself. It's been demonstrated that teams function better with positive interactions. So why are so many of our work teams ruled by dictatorial bosses, and why do many have adversarial dynamics between staff members? A frequently held concept appears to be that if I bring you down, that elevates me. Well, some team members or leaders adhere to this and utilize tactics to vanquish others, when in fact a positive alternative of enhancing and elevating others elevates the whole tribe. Dave, Does this situation have to be, and if that's the environment in a workplace, how can it be changed to one of empowerment and assistance toward achieving our mutual goals? Okay, so I'm going to nerd out a little on you. Uh, The 19th century philosopher Frederick Nietzsche said, 
language dictates consciousness. And there's, there's a whole body of science uh, that goes along with that. In fact, if you actually Google that, that sentence there, you'll get a whole uh, bunch of different Wikipedia pages. But at work, tribes emerge. This is from a book called Tribal Leadership, Leveraging Natural Groups to Build a Thriving Organization. Uh, and in it, basically, the authors argue that tribes emerge from the language people use to describe themselves, their jobs, and others. For most people, language is something they just live with and don't think about, but effective leaders know how to nudge language in a way that makes it morph the culture. They break this tribal leadership into five stages. In stage one, despairing hostility. Uh, essentially, what you're saying in, in that group is life sucks. Your tribe is, is, is really pretty miserable. And thankfully, this, this, these tribes are, are relatively rare. Think of prehistoric man uh, or street gangs or gangs in prisons. A little bit more common is, is the apathetic victim tribe uh, that says, basically, my life sucks. And according to the book, about 25% of companies have this culture. People in this culture are passively antagonistic. They cross their arms in judgment, and never really getting interested in anything, never really having any passion about their work. Uh, their laughter is usually sarcastic and resigned. The stage two talk is, uh, is that they have seen it all before and watched it fail. A stage two leader will often try to protect his or her people from the intrusion of management. The mood that results from stage two is my life sucks, and it's a group of apathetic victims. Uh, the stage three, which is where a lot of hospitals are, they, they, they actually use hospitals as the example in the book, is the lone warrior. Uh, in other words, the, the language is I'm great and you're not. Uh, and, and a lot of hospitals are this way, and, and sadly, Rex and I have both experienced these, these, these kind of cultural phenomena in places we've been. And essentially what they're saying is, I'm great and you're not. A lot of doctors operate at this level uh, on their best days, as do professionals, professors, attorneys, and salespeople. Uh, within a stage three culture, knowledge is power, so people often hoard it from clients, uh, from contacts. Uh, and, and at the stage three level, it's all about uh, the individual win. And winning is, 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 a, is a personal thing, not, not a group thing. They'll outwork and outthink their competitors on an individual basis. The mood that results is a collection of lone warriors wanting to help and support and being continually disappointed that others don't have their ambition or skill because they do the tough work remembering that others just aren't as savvy. Uh, their complaint is that they don't have enough time or competent support. And what we really hope uh, in, by doing this podcast is we can get to a level four. Uh, where we collectively are great, and okay, maybe they're not. It's not the ideal world. Le uh, level five is, is is perfect, but I also want to look like a supermodel, and Rex has assured me that's not going to happen. The gulf between I'm great and we're great is huge. It's it's Grand Canyon huge, according to the, the authors of the book. This represents about 22% of workplace cultures, where the theme is people's communication is, we are great. Uh, when people at a hospital meet in the hallways, they're excited about being with one another. Uh, they smile at each other. They, 
they are truly happy, inspired, and, and, and genuinely interested in what they do. Everybody matters. Staff, volunteers, doctors, and they all make eye contact, and it's highly unusual in, me- in medicine, but it's, it, there are a number of medical organizations that have been able to attain this, and if you want to read more about it, certainly the, the book has got some great examples of that. The last one is, is, is the stage five, which they refer to as innocent wonderment. Life is great, but these companies are exceedingly rare. Think, you know, the Googles and IDOs of, uh, of the world. Can the situation in which your tribe is stuck in that life sucks or I'm great and you're not stage be changed? Can we stop the negativity and promote positivity? Well, Dave and I both believe that positive change and improvement is indeed possible, but it doesn't happen on its own. From either a top-down model in which the leaders work toward change, or a more horizontal model where the whole tribe works toward changing, some focused effort has to take place. This starts, as do all the 12-step programs, with admitting that there's a problem. When it's generally agreed that the tribe is not functioning optimally, that there are impediments to smooth operations, then comes the task of deciding what to do about it. Most of the structured approaches that consultants use uh, to improve efficiency and enhance morale is to start with a focused assessment of the current state of the tribe. What are the accomplishments? Uh, What tasks uh, are they doing? Are they negative? Uh, Does it lead to rivalries, inefficient or obstructive interactions, or does it make the achieving of goals more difficult or even prevents them from, uh, from happening? But once that snapshot of what are the positives and what are the negatives of the tribal structure and interactions, once this picture of the current state's understood, then steps to improve the situation may be considered. Merely pointing out the badness and encouraging people to stop doing nasty things is a rather futile project. True rivalries and bitterness have probably been going on for some time, and shining a light on them is pointless as everyone in the tribe knows who's fighting whom. Team-building exercises designed to improve bonding are often looked on as kind of silly and transparently superficial. They do things like company team building days involving trust falls and discussion circles. And all these structured approaches break down interpersonal barriers and enhance bonding, but many of the tribe seem to think of them as contrived or simplistic. While some tribe members may get something out of them, those consultant groups coming in can be expensive and still not fulfill their promise. They may not improve things the way that it was intended. Mentoring and teaching by example are strong but very slow methods of improving tribe dynamics. Being a strong advocate for the best ideals of the workplace is essential. Practicing what you preach is absolutely necessary, as most people can spot a hypocrite. And so leaders especially have to project an image of support, encouragement, pronounce a dedication to the tribe and to all the team members. The goals of the group need to be explicit and understood by all, and the leader has to embody striving to actualization of those goals. Dave, what do you think about this? How can a tribe shift from reverse to drive and start moving in a more positive direction for the tribe? Well, what we're hoping 
for our listeners is that they'll be lucky or skillful enough to join or lead a team that's truly fulfilling. Be aware of the language you use in all your interactions. We're not stating to say everything is wonderful when errors are being made and processes are are poor, uh, leading to uh, inadequate uh, outcomes. But try to uplift all around you by doing your best to uplift everybody all the time. Rex and I have been saying this for years. Look for how you individually, and most importantly, we collectively, can make things better for each other with the goal of making it better for the patient. Notice when things are going well and try to hardwire those processes and call out the people who are doing the right thing and make them feel valued. Be aware, uh, okay, so you might get tired of us using the overused word mindful, but yes, be mindful of what's going on moment to moment and aware of what's good, kind, skillful, and try to replicate it. Thank those who are doing the right thing. Uh, Make a real effort to make people feel valued. We say that over and over again. And try to forgive others their imperfections and educate others on how we can do better. Uh, Shoot for a level four tribe. We are great. And, And try to have those behaviors. If you're really a superstar, I mean, shoot for level five behaviors, but... Uh, I think that's beyond most organizations to do. But I think level four tribes are are doable. It's hard work, but it's doable. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, Thank you all for listening to Keep Calm and Defibrillate. Dave and I have several more episodes planned. Both of us have been quite occupied in the past couple of months by our real jobs. Dave is the medical director of the emergency department and me as the medical director of a brand new hospital-backed urgent care. But hopefully we might have a little more time to record more episodes in the near future. We hope you enjoy listening, that you get some benefit from the podcast. It can make such a difference if your tribe enhances the best qualities of human nature and the dynamics of the team makes every member understand and embrace your mission. Until the next episode, keep a goal of improved team cohesiveness in mind when you work. We really, really appreciate the efforts of our colleagues in emergency medicine and urgent care who are taking care of the acute problems with patients in the midst of this pandemic. And remember, have fun and do good work. Mm -hmm.